0: therefore, shall make you free. He shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for May twenty eighth, two 2012. And today we're just going to be covering a variety of different topics. Kind of starting off today with just a uh, a little Bible study. It's, It's entitled, Discernment Detractors Calling Good Evil. Uh, by a Warren B. Smith, he put together these verses. I've really got these verses uh, together, um, but this is a good general synopsis of a lot of different things that uh, biblically we do on a week-to-week basis and the justification biblically for it. So, starting out, the first verse is uh, Isaiah 5:20. <clears throat> Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, which is almost the norm now regarding society, regarding the world, regarding much of what goes on, even in the church. So much of what goes on in the so-called church now is evil, and they call it good. Uh, It's a very common thing. So, in the first book of Kings, God comes to Solomon in a dream and tells him he can ask for anything that he wants. 1 Kings three five. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. So Solomon asked for discernment. He wanted to be able to discern the difference between what is good and bad, between good and evil. He answers God by saying, in 1 uh, Kings 3.9 Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart, to judge thy people that i may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this thy so great a people god is pleased with solomon's request noting that he asked solely for discernment rather than selfish things for himself and it's one of the few times uh, very few times in the bible that you'll ever hear god was actually uh, pleased with uh, an action of a of a human it's just not recorded very often that that's the case um, really because it was a very, very unselfish thing he was asking for. He could ask for anything, you know. Um, and then First Kings 3, 10-11 says, And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither asked riches for thyself, nor asked the, the life of thine enemies, but hath asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment, um and they really needed to have the rest of that verse. Anyway, because he did this, God gives adds unto him all the other things on top of the discernment. Okay, so um while our adversary furiously attempts to undermine the importance of discernment by ridiculing it, we are not to be ignorant of his devices according to Second 2 Corinthians two eleven. You know, lest we be ignorant of Satan's devices, he'll get an advantage of us is essentially 2 Corinthians 2.11. So, if we're ignorant of his devices, then Satan has that potential to always get an advantage of us. This is why it is very important to have discernment. My children are destroyed for lack of knowledge, according to Hosea four six. And then it goes on to say, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee and thy children, and thou shalt be a priest to me no more. So it's very important that we're not rejecting real, true knowledge, particularly in today's day and age, when 2 uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 gets into the fact that for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I don't think there's very few people right now, whether they want to label themselves as Christians or not, let's say all the people that do, I see very little true love for the truth. Because most of the 501c3 corporate churches that I've ever seen, they're not operating in a whole lot of truth. They're not really seeking, um, they're not really uh, demonstrating a love for the truth. Because the truth is pretty brutal in today's day and age in particular. Most people don't want to deal with it. But when you consider 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, (laughs) you really... uh, uh, that's something, that if you don't have a love for the truth, it's something you wouldn't really pray about, that God give you, no matter how brutal it may be. Uh, because, obviously, you don't want to be damned. I mean, you know, that's what, the, that's what the warning is in that particular verse. So, I'm just saying, I mean, I'm just pointing out things that in, in the day and time we're living in, the Bible says in Matthew twenty four twenty four, where Jesus talked about it, it said, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So deception is the very earmark of what the day and time we're living in. And um, it's important that we do pray for true knowledge, true discernment, true understanding, true wisdom. And a lot of that's based on the fear of the Lord, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding, knowledge, and wisdom. And the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that, that fear him and deliver them. That's what the Bible says. So fear of the Lord is very much connected with, with this as well. So a lot of this stuff, obviously, I've covered in the past. And this isn't an in-depth study on this, but we're just kind of hitting some, covering some bases here just to reaffirm um, what we're doing here as a ministry, what you would do with as a ministry. Let's say you go out and, and um, warn people or educate people, or these types of things, and and a lot of these things aren't very popular in the uh, modern day church. Um, A lot of the information we cover is not ear-tickling, in fact, I don't really hardly know of anything that is ear-tickling in this ministry, (laughs) Uh, not to say that I've got some corner on the market, it's just that truth isn't really ear-tickling most of the time. Truth is pretty uh, brutal in the day and age that we live in, so... Uh, these are the biblical things that we want to look at in in regard to justification for a let's say a watchman warning. Hey, if you see a house on fire, you know, and you pass on by, and you don't warn the people in the house, they burn up. You know, that's not a good thing. I don't care who you are, call yourself a watchman or whatever. Everybody, you know, anybody who didn't warn them, that's a real bad thing. You mean that, that's just obviously common sense, so. Anyway, let's go further here. So, some, some of the many accusations made by discernment detractors. Number one, if you hate deception and evil and try to expose it, you are a, quote, hater. But the Bible says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Did you know the Bible says that? The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Proverbs 8.13 That by itself is a uh, a really thought-provoking verse. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And considering the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them, and then all of the other blessings connected with the fear of the Lord, that's heavily connected. A hatred of evil. Which is a big reason why I do what I do because I hate evil. I mean, not obviously the only reason, but is the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. You know, you want, if you, when you hate something like evil, you want to expose it. You want to expose it for what it is. You want to warn other people about it, about the evil that you might see overtaking them. You might see them being destroyed for lack of knowledge. Um, they don't even know it's evil. They're, they're, they're clueless. They, they're, they're not even aware that it's evil. So they need to be educated on that fact um, so that they're not destroyed for lack of knowledge. And uh, you know, sometimes then you get into Galatians 4.16, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Now that's almost the norm. Uh, a lot of people will email me and say, oh, well, my family's rejected me, I don't have any friends. Yeah, yeah, join the club. You know, I mean that's this type of of um, Christian lifestyle. When you start getting into this level of truth, many times that's the norm. I can't tell you how many listeners I got that I have that are isolated um, from their family. They have a very small circle of of Christian friends, if if they have that. And I wish I had a better answer for them. The the best thing I can say to do about that is to pray and fast that the Lord would put people in your path where you could have that that uh, fellowship with them. Uh, but that's a huge probably my most common question I guess. Where do I? What do I do? Where do I go? You know, it's very hard for me to direct them to a five hundred one c three corporate church that's yoked up with the beast system through their corporate status through the U S government and the Internal Revenue Service. And the, uh, the, the bottom line is is they're supposed to abide by the guidelines of the 501c3 charter. And if you look at what the IRS demands you to do, it would you, you cannot do what they tell you to do and obey the word of God at the same time. You can say, well, bless God, I've heard this before. I'm going to preach whatever I preach, and the day they tell me to stop doing it, then I'll get out of my 501c3 status. But the thing is, is, you're the one that signed the paperwork you you yoked yourself up with them. You should abide by their guidelines if you signed on the dotted line. I mean, they appoint the pastor as the CEO of the corporation and the deacons of the board of directors. I'm not lying. This is how, if you don't designate it in your, in your charter, they'll do it for you, the IRS, when they come after you. So I've done many, many teachings on that subject. Just key in 501, either 501 or 501c3 in the keyword search box It contending I'm not saying it to be mean I'm just saying it I'm just flat out telling you this is the way this is the way it is with that just because they haven't come after you yet doesn't mean that they're not going to come after you and now they've got the whole the whole uh, clergy response teams and there's thousands and thousands of preachers that are literally like on the payroll with homeland Security and they're just waiting for when things start to go down, and the Homeland Security is gonna, the Caesar's gonna call in the chips. Dr. Greg Dixon did a teaching on that. I think I've even got that. You can key in that, uh, just key in Caesar, or calling in the chips or something in the keyword search box at ContinuingForTruth.com. Or do, or do a keyword search for Caesar calling in the chips on the internet. Uh, Dr. Greg Dixon. I mean, that's a brilliantly written thing. And when, when that day comes, like, let's say we've got martial law and good old Homeland Security FEMA comes to these uh, clergy response teams that are already yoked up with them and says, okay, it's time for you to make the big announcement to your congregation. We're going to set up your churches as vaccination centers. We're going. To, you know, we want you to call all your congregation in, and you know when they, they when they do, the buses are going to be waiting for there waiting for them there to take them to the concentration camps, or bare minimum, used as vaccination centers, compliance centers, brainwashing centers, and and the pastors are going to be right there saying, do whatever the government says to do because they're the government, and according to Romans, you, you do whatever they want you to do. Romans thirteen. Don't even question it, because God says that they're that they're, and that's they've totally misinterpreted and twisted Scripture. I've done a whole teaching on that on Romans thirteen. There's been many other uh, preachers that have done good teachings on Romans thirteen as well. Uh, Sam Adams, Mike Slattery, uh, these types they, they, they've they've done really good teachings on Romans thirteen and the actual proper biblical application of that, you know and so we just don't go along with the government with whatever they tell us to do if it contradicts the bible as for me and my house we will serve the lord as joshua says so that's the that's the gold standard is the, is the word of god so if the government's coming along telling you to do something contrary to the word of god you know who to obey and if it costs you your life then it costs you your life but you do that hey absent from the body is to be present with the lord not to say God can't protect you, but I'm just saying that, that you know, I'm really looking forward, honestly, um, as wicked and as evil as things are getting. You know, if I had, I mean, if, if you were to die a quick death or whatever, in particular in today's day, hey, great, praise the Lord, I get to go be with Jesus Christ forever. You know, now, long, slow, agonizing death, you know, hey, I'm not going to say I'm wishing for that. I mean, who would? But I'm just saying, no matter what situation you're in, God can get you through it. The Lord can give you the strength to get through it. You just look at like Fox's Book of Martyrs and and a lot of um, testimonies, and, and the Lord can always give you strength to get through whatever you're facing, no matter what. Period. You just have to have the faith to believe that. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Okay, so, let's go further here. Um, Ephesians five eleven through 13 And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, or expose them, essentially. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret, but all things that are reproved, or exposed, are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So in other words, Some people would say, well, see, this proves that you shouldn't say anything. Because it says, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. You don't get into all the gory details. How do you reprove something and not speak about it? You know what I mean? How do you expose it and not speak about it? So in other words, the context of the verse is, when it says, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret, you don't get into all the gory details a lot of times. I mean, if it's twisted or perverted or something like that, you don't got to do that. But you can, you can basically expose something without having to go into every gory detail of a, of a particular sin or something. Okay, and and we have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but we we're, we're supposed to reprove them. And okay, so let's go further. Then John uh, fifteen eighteen, if the world hate you you know that it hated me before it hated you. Jesus Christ said that. So it's normal for the world to hate you as a true, born-again, Bible-believing Christian. If the world loves you, there's a gigantic problem. The Bible says that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So when you get all these preachers like Smiley Joel Osteen and these guys out there, and oh, the world loves them, and, and they're just... You know, don't offend nobody, in, in these types of things, then there's a gigantic problem. They're trying to please men; they're they're not and not God, obviously. They have more fear of men than they would have. They have no fear of God; and they have all this fear of man. At least that's part of their motivation. Another huge part would be money. The love of money is the root of all evil, and you know these these types of things. And, and, and another another motivation for not, you know, um, following or trusting or putting your faith in a man is Jeremiah seventeen five. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and his heart departeth from the Lord. When you when you put your trust in a man and make flesh your arm, meaning that's the arm you lean upon your heart will depart from the Lord. It's just a natural byproduct. You want, to put your, you want to put that in the Word of God. You want to put that trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and Father God, not in a man. Okay? So, which is, you know, obviously how a lot of cults get started. Some guy supposedly gets some revelation from whatever deity he's, you know, and starts some off-the-wall cult. It's very, very common. Uh, particularly with the advent of the internet, (laughs) I get emails all the time, what about this guy, what about this guy? And I mean, there's some really off-the-wall stuff out there. That's why I said, don't even trust in me. Just trust the Word of God. You know, put your faith in the King James Bible, the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, Father God. You know, just that's where you need to have your trust. That way I know I'm giving you the right advice. So let's go further here. Uh, number two, if you contend for the faith, then you are considered contentious by the by many people. But the Bible says in Jude one three, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So, this is what we're, con- that's why the ministry is called, you know, contending for truth. We're contending for the faith, the truth of the Bible, of the word of God. Uh, 1 Timothy 6.12 Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Ephesians 6.11-13 through 13, Put on the whole armor of God, that ye, may be, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to, uh, to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. So these are things, that's something that we really should be doing on a daily basis, putting on the whole armor of God. Uh, third point, if you sound the alarm, then you are called an alarmist. But the Bible says, blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. Joel two one, Ezekiel three three says, if when he seeth, meaning the watchman, for when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. That's what we should be doing, or particularly a watchman. Uh, then 1 Corinthians 4.14 says, I write not these things to shame you, but as, as my beloved sons I warn you. So these are, these are examples in the Bible of, of uh, Christians being warned, essentially. Number four, if you try to expose heresy, then you will be deemed as a heresy hunter. I've heard Paul Crouch use that term a lot <laughs> on TBN, but the Bible says, and if you don't know about him, just keep in Paul Crouch or Crouch in the keyword search box. I've done many studies on him, particularly lately. Second uh, Peter two one says, but if there were any false prophets also among, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily, meaning privately, shall bring in damnable heresies. Now that was back then. Now it's a whole lot worse. It's just heresy after heresy. Um, False prophets, false teachers. It's the norm. 2 Timothy 3.13 But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That word wax means grow. So, it's grown worse and worse. Evil men and seducers. The Spirit speaketh expressly, then in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to doctrines of devils, speaking lies and, and these types of things. Okay. Um, now, the Spirit speaketh expressly, then in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, we're in the latter times, so we should ex- be expecting these things to be the norm. Not the exception, but the norm. Okay, so these are just some things to, to kind of bear in mind here. Uh, let's see, First Corinthians eleven nineteen. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are proved may be made manifest among you. So, it's a norm to have heresies among us. There's going to be a lot more now than there was back then, most likely. But, by those that are heretics being made manifest, they which are approved, meaning they which are actually real Christians, may, they may be made manifest among you. They'll, be, they'll stick out. You compare the heresy to the person not putting out heresy the one adhering to the Word of God compared to the one not adhering to the Word of God. That will become apparent. The Bible says, an heretic after the first and second admonition reject. So you don't have to keep dealing with a heretic forever. A lot of times people email me and, and they, they feel I, almost like I think they feel like they're biblically compelled to answer every single little thing that some heretic would bring up to them like trying to answer a Mormon or a Jehovah Witness. You have to understand, they're trained to go after obscure verses in the Bible, twist them, and have you key on their... Don't play by their game. Don't play by their rules. Who says that we have to play by their rules? Who gave them their rule book? Satan. Or a Seventh-day Adventist, who I would include in this as well. Just another works-based death cult, as far as I'm concerned. Hebrew roots, the whole nine yards. They're works-based, bottom line. Their salvation is based on works. Works will follow salvation, but works is not what saves you. For you say, by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Works will follow, yes. Absolutely. I mean... The Holy Spirit lives inside you. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, temperance. These types of things will follow. Works will follow. If you get off the track, you'll be chastised of God. These are things to look for, you know, in the life of a true Christian. Um, But anyway, they which were approved... Will be made manifest among you. So this is this is a way that you know you can look at this. But again, you don't have to answer every single thing a heretic of a particular cult comes to you with. I wouldn't play by their game. I don't play by a Jehovah Witnesses game or a Mormons game or whatever. Don't let them take you to where they want to take you to. You take them to where you want them. Like you know, you can bring up like um. With the Jehovah Witnesses, the fact that supposedly they the Watchtower magazine they say, well, it's angelically inspired. Well, why in the world, if it's angelically inspired, has it predicted the end of the world wrong on so many different occasions? I used to have the actual years listed, and every time that the Watchtower predicted the end of the world, they'd lose like you know a million more followers. So they finally stopped doing that. The devil kind of figured out, well, I better I better stop doing this. I got to call my my demons and devils off, or whatever, and in kind of uh, uh, stop giving them the wrong the wrong info because I'm losing a lot of uh, cult followers in the Jehovah's Witness cult. I mean, to me, if if it's true, if it's valid, and if they're if their if their or if their magazine is angelically inspired, why has it predicted the end of the world wrong so many times? It's not. I mean, Deuteronomy 18 says the test of a prophet is, you know, they need, to, they need to get it 100% right 100% of the time. A true prophet. And the penalty for that was death in the Old Testament. And also, you go back a, two or three more chapters, and it says that also the prophecy must also adhere or line up with the word of God. If it comes to pass, but it doesn't line up with the word of God, then it's still not a true prophet. Well, how much more so if it's angelically inspired? So in other words, there's a lot of different good resources out there. Like if you go up to chick.com, chick.com, um, C-H-I-C-K.com, they've got a lot of different ways to witness to different cults. Mormonism, the Masons, uh, Jehovah Witnesses, uh, Catholics, Islam, and you do not want to ever play by their game. And you know if it gets to the point where, and many times it will, because they're not going to yield. They're, you know, and, and you need to really pray and fast regarding these issues as well, because a lot of times you won't be able to reach them apart from that. But there comes a time when you don't cast your pearls before swine. You don't waste any more time. And you know the Lord, the Lord will let you know that if you're praying about it, and these types of things. Um, There's a time when you contend with a fool, lest he be wise in his own conceit. And then there's a time when you don't contend with a fool, lest thou be like him, which are two verses, I believe, in Proverbs. And they appear contradictory, but the thing is, is there's a time when you do that, when you do contend with a fool, lest he be wise in his own conceit, and there's a time that you don't contend with a fool, lest thou be like him. And I think at the, at the very initial beginning, yes, you can contend with them, but then there's a time that there, some time will come when you cross a line where you don't contend with them, lest you be like them. You don't want to cast your pearl before swine, lest they turn and rend you. And you have to really listen to the Holy Spirit for when that time is, when, you, when that time comes. I can't tell you exactly when that is, because I'm not the Holy Spirit. But Anyway, uh let's go further. Uh and have no fellowship with the unfruitful darkness. Unfruitful works of dark okay, we've already said that one. Um, so, number five, point five. If you critique false teachings, then you have a critical spirit. But the Bible says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather approve them. Okay, which we've covered that. Ephesians 5.11 If you name names of false teachers, then you're called a name-caller, but the Bible names names. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. That's 2 Timothy 4.14. 2 Timothy 5, or I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 1.15 says, This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are jealous and Hermogenes. So, he's naming names here. 2 Timothy two seventeen and 18. And their word will doth eat as, as doth a canker, of whom Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred. Okay, so again, he's naming names in particular. He's marking them which caused division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which they have learned in avoiding them. And that's what the Bible, uh, you know, commands us to do in Romans verse 16, 17, and 18. Romans 16, verses 17 and 18. So, marking them is something that should be done. Now, granted, uh, if a heretic's marking another heretic, that's a problem, obviously. But, He's doing exactly what the Bible says to do and it is biblical and because this hasn't been done is a gigantic reason that the church is in the shape that it's in. Most pastors aren't even qualified to be pastors if you look at the qualifications for a pastor like bishop, elder, deacon, these types of things. You look at those qualifications for pastors. Husband of one wife, okay, um... Ruling over their own house well. Uh, Not given to much wine. Not given to filthy lucre. Meaning they're not money hungry. They're not drunks. They're husband of one wife. They rule their own house well. You know, these types of things. Most pastors in today's day and age aren't even qualified to be pastors. Not only that, but then they're yoked up with the government with their 501c3 corporate status. And most of them have went to seminary, which is more like a cemetery... Because it ruins them, most of the time, because they've been taught, oh, the, the, these are better renderings of the Bible. And they have total doubt in the Word of God. They don't even know what the Word of God is. They, they don't view the King James Bible as being the Word of God. They view all of the Bible versions maybe being on equal footing. And, I mean, you look at these other Bible versions that came directly from corrupt Catholic manuscripts from two a cultist named Westcott and Hort from the 1881 revised version, how can something good spring from that? And that's really what spawned the the absolute vast majority of our modern day Bibles. The word of God's been corrupted. How can that have a good outcome? So, let's go further. Um... If you exercise righteous judgment, then you're considered judgmental. But the Bible says, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. John 7.24, Jesus Christ said that. And then 1 Corinthians 2.15, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. The Bible says if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. We're supposed to judge ourselves every single day. How could you confess your sins if you don't judge yourself? Because we all sin every day. Now, if we don't judge ourselves, how can we confess our sins? How's that possible? You know. I mean, I know if I got what I deserve, I'd get death and hell apart from Jesus Christ. And his shed blood, his finished work on the cross. That's all I deserve. I'd be the first to admit it. So... But in order to do that, in order to come to that point in your mind, not to say that I'm any gold standard, I'm just saying, but in order to do that, you have to judge yourself. Well, judge not lest ye be judged. Okay, well, let's look at that portion of scripture, because what is that in reference to? That's in reference to a hypocrite. What do you mean? Well, read it. It's when you have a beam in your own eye and you're judging the speck in your brother's. That's when you don't judge lest ye be judged. There's a specific time. If you're a hypocrite, you got a beam in your own eye and you're judging the speck in your brother's. You don't want to judge judge your speck in your brother's eye if you got a beam in your own. You're a hypocrite. It even says, remove the beam in your own eye that you can judge the speck in your brother's. Not to say that we're supposed to go around nitpicking everybody. I'm just saying that, that judgment There, the 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 concept of judgment in the modern day churches is so warped and so wrong most of the time. I'm not making a blanket statement over every single pastor out there. Obviously, I'm just saying the majority. The majority of the way they've been uh, cemetery or seminary taught. Go take your, get your 501c3 corporate status, yoke up with the government and the IRS, go get your license to preach from your state. Where is this stuff in the Bible? Where does it say to do that in the Bible? Go yoke up every possible way with the government so that you can have a ministry. It's the exact opposite. I don't see Jesus Christ doing that. I don't see any of the apostles doing that. I don't see any precedent for that even in the Old Testament. Yoking up with the government. A license to preach? Are you kidding me? Where is that? Even when the preacher marries somebody by the power invested in me by the state of Georgia or by the state of Florida or by whatever state, I now pronounce the man and wife. Shouldn't that power be invested in you by the Lord Jesus Christ and not the state or a government? Huh. That's, you know, people are just, as far as I'm concerned, to me it seems as though the seminaries are the biggest problem the seminaries are what ruin people ruin pastors get them they, they get them on the wrong path and then the whole thing about the bible versions oh the, this is a better rendering the king james is passé it's 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 old english it's it's no good it's whatever these are more accurate more Easily readable versions, even though they're corrupted from ancient corrupt Catholic, Catholic manuscripts translated by occultists. And I mean, you look at the NIV um, translation committee. You know, Virginia Mullencott, a rabid uh, Earth Goddess worship lesbian, was on the translation committee. Oh yeah, that's who I want. My my, I want her grubby mitts all over the Word of God that I'm reading, even though it's not the Word of God; it's corrupted. I mean, just these are just. A lot of things I've covered in times past, you can just key in KJV in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com if you want to know more about that, or 501c3. Um, I've covered all these things multiple times, whole teachings, so this isn't something like if you're hearing for the first time, and like you're freaking out, <laughs> well, I've I've done dedicated teachings on these subjects. I'm just kind of hitting the high points today. Another light-hearted, whimsical teaching, as usual. So, let's go further. Um, uh, what's the next verse here? Uh, so, if you separate yourself from the things of the world, then you are considered a separatist. And into separation, but the Bible says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We're supposed to come out from among them and be separate. saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. That's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what communion hath Christ with Belial, which is the devil, or righteousness with unrighteousness. So we're not supposed to yoke ourselves up with evil or unbelievers or these types of things. Number nine, if you think the way is narrow, then you're narrow-minded. But the Bible says, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, straight actually means, is another way of saying narrow in this particular context, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto light, and few there be that find it. Now, if you look, if you just listen to all the things that I said today about modern-day 501c3 church, you could see why there might be actually a lot fewer people saved than maybe they think they're saved, but they're not. I'm not, I don't want to judge their salvation. I'm just saying if they're like locked into some heretical belief system, and I mean, they have no love for the truth, and they're content where they're at, and there's no chasing of God on their life, there's a problem with that. You know? Uh, that was Matthew 7, 14. 10, if you think Jesus is the only way, you are exclusivistic and way off. But the Bible says, now these are just points that a, some, a discernment detractor would bring up. Uh, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It is exclusive. He is the only way. Number 11, if you mark them which cause divisions contrary to the doctrine, then you are considered divisive. But the Bible says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. That's how they do it. They do it by good words and fair speeches. That's why you want to always compare whatever your preacher is saying to the word of God. Okay? Because you just need to do that. And then the whole thing I hear a lot in charismatic circles is, Oh, touch not thou God's anointed. Well, you know what? If I examine the fruit of, God, of this man who's supposedly anointed of God and the fruit appears to be rotten and it appears to be contradictory to the word of God, he's not God's anointed. He or she is not God's anointed. So, that's a big way they'll get people to back off. Touch not thou God's anointed. Bring not a railing accusation against the brethren. What if they've proven they're a heretic over and over and over? They're not brethren. They're not God's anointed. They're a wolf in sheep's clothing. They're a hireling that has no true love for the sheep. But the true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. The Bible says, you know. So these are just things to think about. Uh, Let's go further. Uh, if you believe Jesus', Jesus prophetic words in the book of Revelation, that the battle of Armageddon will happen one day, then you're called a doomsday deceiver. But the Bible says, he, he gathered them together in a place in the, called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Uh, also in Revelation, that was Revelation 16. 16. Revelation 1, three says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that heareth the words of this prophecy and keepeth those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. That's at the start of the book of Revelation. Uh, Number 16, if you expose Satan, Beelzebub, you are called, then you, uh, if you expose Satan or Beelzebub, you are called Satan or Beelzebub too. But the Bible says, it is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? So it's, it's, Almost normal for somebody to call you the devil many times when you're actually putting out truth. That's Matthew ten twenty five. Um, just changed this. That was actually point thirteen. I'm sorry. So then he ends it with a couple Bible verses of encouragement, saying Matthew five eleven through twelve says, "Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice." And be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. This is just the normal thing that should be happening. Um, but great is your reward in heaven. 2 Timothy three twelve through 17 says, Yea, and all they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, or woman of God, obviously, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. See, good works follow salvation. That's Second Timothy 3, 12-17. And all these Bible verses are here in the PDF uh, for uh, May 28, 2012. So let's keep going here. We're going to segue now into the actual study. Um, First article is Vatican is now trying to steal the KJV. Here's a little picture of an illustration from the Fox's Book of Martyrs of William Tyndale just before he was strangled and burned at the stake by the Pope's Inquisitors. Yes, more lovely rotten fruit from the Catholic death cult. Tyndale... More than any other man was responsible for the translation leading up to the KJV, not the Catholic priests, as Rome is now trying to claim. Rome is now trying to claim that the KJV was their deal, which couldn't be anything farther from the truth. Carrie um, Summers, an organizer... and this is from the, the uh, Chick battle cry uh, from May-June 2012. Carrie Summers, an organization organizer of a, of a recent Bible exhibit in the Vatican is quoted by Catholic, the Catholic News Agency during a CNA tour of the display, saying, quote, If it had not been for the Catholics of the 1500s, there would be no King James Bible. What a lie from the pit of hell. If it were possible, now the article goes on to say, if it were possible, 60 million corpses would be turning over in their graves in response to the arrogance of this lie just uttered by this Catholic. Summers then goes on to explain, quote, "...many of the original Bibles that formed the basis of the King James Bible came from Catholic priests. Very few changes were made. The ancient writings that the King James writers actually mimicked and copied were by Catholic priests, more lives from the pit of hell." And it goes on to say, what appalling hypocrisy that the Catholic death cult would believe that the world has forgotten their bloody inquisition that slaughtered millions of Bible believers who stood on the King James Bible as the word of God for the common man. The Bible exhibit called Verbum Domini, meaning the word of God, is an unprecedented collection of some 40,000 artifacts. It is another ploy and really trap by the Pope to coax members of other faiths into his ecumenical trap. Now again, I've seen just this gigantic trend lately. It's gotten so bad in the last year of many watchmen ministries all of a sudden speaking good of the Catholic Church, speaking not evil but good. Seemingly pointing people to the Catholic Church all of a sudden. Incredibly disturbing trend uh, that I'm seeing now over and over and over again. It's almost as though it appears to me, and I've reported on this several times in the last year alone, it's almost like they've been laying in wait for this time. It's almost like they've kind of kept their mouth shut up until this time, and now all of a sudden they've gotten the green light from their handlers or something to say, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna not so suddenly start pointing people to the Catholic Church in many different ways." I mean, it's it's just every day, just about. I'm seeing something new about this. Rare Jewish, Protestant, and Orthodox artifacts are included to, quote, manifest a shared love of God's word that exists among those religions. So not is it only the people within supposed Christianity, but it's also the Catholic Church itself that is extending these olive branches back and forth to one another, saying, oh, yes, yes. Look at the common ground we have with the mother whore, death cult, Catholic Church. We need to all get on board and and bow down and lick the Pope's boots and kiss his ring. This is what I'm seeing over and over and over again. In order to shed more light on the boldness of this lie, Battlecry interviewed David W. Daniels, author of the book, Did the Catholic Church Give Us the Bible? Now, I'll give you a link to that book if you want to uh, uh, sir, uh, see that or you can order it on chick.com obviously I'm not connected with them in any or form but if you want to do that the, the link is there um, so they're in, interviewing him um, and they start out by saying what have you found in your research as a connection of the Roman Catholic Church to the KJV well Daniel says the Vatican has it backwards Rome would not have a Bible to pervert if it were not for the preserved words of God that we have in the King James Bible uh, and then they go on to say, well, how did this come about? Daniel said, there are two streams of Bibles. The preserved stream that flows right through history from God's faithful people, passing it down word for word from generation to generation, from hiding place to hiding place, until the printing press enabled them to spread it openly for the whole world to enjoy. This stream ends at the fountain of life, the King James Bible. Started really, if you really want to technically go all the way back, where they were first called Christians... In the Bible, in Acts, in Antioch. Okay, that's where they were first called Christians. This is where you could actually say the first stream of the this, this the pure word of God originated from. Okay? So, then the guy goes on to say, the, the, the interviewer says, was the Pope part of this process? Daniel's response is, is the Popes fought it every inch of the way, meaning the King James Bible. Or the the streams of text responsible for the King James Bible. The received text, the majority text, the Byzantine text. These are different things that it was called as it actually got finally translated into the King James. Okay, So, uh, the Pope spotted every inch of the way, and from the beginning the devil used his scholars, who, by the way, couldn't agree on anything... I mean, it was so bad when Westcott and Hort translated the the revised version of 1881 from two corrupt Catholic manuscripts, the uh, Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus. It was so bad, they contradicted each other in so many places, that they finally made just this rule of thumb that whenever the Sinaiticus contradicted the Vaticanus, they just chose the Vaticanus. I mean, that's real scholarly. That's real scholarly. Anyway, um... They couldn't agree on anything. They created a second stream of manuscripts full of contradictions and perversions. The whore of Babylon hated the pre- preserved Bible. But they couldn't kill all the believers or simply substitute their own Bible because God kept his promise to preserve his words. Uh, the Bible says, The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of verse. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them forever, uh, from this generation forever. So again, um, when we see that, God's promise to preserve his words, and this is just more proof of that. So, uh, because God kept his promises to preserve his words, as Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Interviewer then says, so they switch tactics. Daniel says, yes, since burning Bibles and people at the stake and torturing people and killing them in the Inquisition failed to stop God's preserved words in the King James Bible, Rome claimed to, quote, fix it, with scholarly and easier to read Bibles. Switching the text to the perverted manuscripts. Westcott and Hort aided the plot by pasting together a Greek New Testament from the polluted streams of manuscripts. Now Christians are bombarded with so many fake Bibles that nobody knows what to believe. Huh, the Bible says that God's not the author of confusion. That by itself should tell you what the real word of God is. Is it the hundreds of other Bibles out there that came from this polluted Westcott and Hort two-corrupted Catholic manuscript stream? Or is it the King James Bible stream? There's only two. God's not the author of confusion. He's only got one word of God. Forever, O Lord, thy words are settled in heaven. Okay? It's only one word of God. It's not 200 other versions. You understand? I'm trying to make this simple. So you can see that it's just like a no-brainer thing here. So now Christians are bombarded with so many fake Bibles that nobody knows what to believe. Solid faith in God's Bible has been replaced by Satan's doubt-making, yea, hath God said. Where do you say that? Genesis 3, the serpent to Eve? Yea, if God said. What was the first thing Satan did to get Eve off track? He questioned God's word. He said, "Yeah, has God really said that? Because Eve said, you know, something to him. He said, oh, yea, if God said. Did did, did he really say that? Well, same tactic today, just with all these perverted Bibles. The doubt making yea, if God said. So the popes can take credit for most Bibles on the market, but not the KJV. So, for complete details of these two streams, see the book, Did the Catholic Church Give Us the Bible, available from Chick Publications. Now, this is just part of the article. I just wanted to touch on it. If you want to know more about it, there's a link you can click on there. Also, I gave you my five-part teaching here on the KJV Defended as God's Preserved Word. Five parts. You can click on it. Um, It's all free on my site. Um, The PDFs associated with it, you can click on those, print those out, uh, study those as well. So, let's go further. Um, This is a true account of a faithful Christian martyr at the hands of Catholic butchers. March 5th, 1558. Thomas Van Imbrick was beheaded as a faithful, persevering witness for Christ and sealed his testimony with his blood at the tender age of 25. He was a printer at Cologne on the Rhine and a God-fearing man who was arrested for the sake of, his tr- of the truth of the gospel in the year 1557. He was confined in a tower and interrogated for his belief on baptism and marriage. He was confined in a tower and interrogated... Uh, okay, I'm sorry, I just read that. His wife wrote letters of encouragement to him. Two priests urged him to vehemently to repent. These black-robed devils told him to, they were telling him to repent to Satan. Repent to Satan. They told him to vehemently repent and asked him why he did not have his children baptized as infants essentially, infant baptism. His answer was always the same. The scripture the scriptures teach nothing of infant baptism. They don't. Baptism is something you do after you make a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, after you get saved. If, you, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt believe in thy heart, you know thou shalt be saved. Okay, well that's something you do after you get saved. It's not something you baptize an infant on. You don't baptize an infant, and it's and you just don't drip a little bit of water. Baptism is considered also full immersion. Okay, it's a sign of salvation. You can't do. You can't profess that as a baby. In other words, because you can't talk. Okay, so this was that big of a deal to Christians back then, but see, the Catholic Church had to have it their way because they are the Devil death cult they've always been. And they were willing to just slaughter people by the millions over this one issue because they're that evil, and they still are that evil. Um, so, the scriptures teach nothing of infant baptism, and they who will be baptized according to God's word must first be believers. That's what His his... His quote was, the priest proclaimed him as a heretic and brought him to the rack, where he was closely questioned but not tortured. In other words, they just threatened him. They put him on the rack, but they didn't quite do anything yet. This occurred three times. He was brought to Landgrave's house, which was, I guess, the main Catholic dude at the time, who would have set him at liberty, but he was afraid of the emperor and the bishop above him. Neither fire, nor water, nor sword could move Thomas from his convictions. In other words, they they tortured him with fire, water, and sword. Wouldn't move him off his convictions. Again, he was brought to Landgrave's house, and his people tried to persuade him to recant, which was more, which was of more value to them than his martyrdom. But he would not do it. This guy was willing to undergo unbelievable torture and un- ultimately be beheaded just because he wouldn't. Uh, listen, you got to ask yourself the same question: Are you willing to do that? I mean, I'll have to ask myself that question. I'm not. I'm not saying it like I'm better. I'm just saying. The Bible says, "They that endure to the end, the same shall be saved." You know. So, I mean, they they you know they took the Bible absolutely 100 percent literally. Finally, Thomas was brought before the High Court of Justice, where he was condemned to death in the presence of Landgrave. This is the Catholic, uh, I guess, overseer, who died his staff of the authority in the supposed blood, Christian blood. Um, has, died his staff of authority in Christian blood. Anyway, um, the letters he had sent from prison to his wife and brethren, among other things, contained a confession of his faith and his beliefs about baptism. A small volume was published from these writings. They're the same evil, wicked church today as they were then. They're just as wicked, if not more. They're just a lot more subtle right now. They're in that subtle mode um, because they can't quite come out and do this thing, these things yet. But they're no less wicked. They were wicked, they were corrupt from, it's absolute, total inception. I don't care about their stance on abortion. I really could care less. I just don't. I'm not going to yoke up with the Catholic Church because they take a stance on abortion. Yes, that's great that they're against abortion. Okay? Wonderful. Great. But that doesn't mean I'm going to yoke up with them. Or I'm going to say I admire them, like I've heard other people say recently other ministers, or I respect them. I respect nothing about this death cult. Nothing. The blood of millions of martyrs are on his hands. The pedophile priesthood alone. The whole thing, that, that, remember that thing, that teaching I did on the, on the, that nun, where they rape the nuns and, and, and lock them away and, and, and do all these horrific things? They rape little children, little girls they they add to the word of God, take away from the word of God. They 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 I mean everything it's so evil, so corrupt. They have this form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They go about in their in their long flowing garments and robes and act so pious and so religious and so much sanctimonious and holier than thou and all of this garbage and inwardly they're ravening wolves. They're whitened sepulchers full of dead man's bones. There's nothing good in this devil death cult. Nothing. It is wicked and corrupt and rotten. And I refuse, refuse to say anything good about it. Or praise it in any way, shape or form. Like I've been hearing so much lately from so many different ministries. Over and over and over. They're not warning them that they're all going to hell because they're trusting in some works based death cult. If you really love somebody like you say you do, why aren't you warning them they're going to hell? No, I would just rather praise them for what, you know, their stance on abortion. I got an email yesterday from, I think, one of my listeners. On this commercial that came out from um, the Catholics, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go find that right now and play it. Okay, I got it right here. Um, guy emailed me this, and it says, "I couldn't believe this incredible ad by the Catholic Church." This is one of my. People on my, on my emails for a long time. It, is it time for Catholics and Protestants to join hands? Maybe on this issue, yes. Dynamic message. Double exclamation marks. Okay, so I've seen this commercial. I'm just going to go ahead and play this. Okay, so it says, In generations past, the church. Now, this is the big thing. They always say the church, like all of Christianity, and obviously the Catholic Church is the mother harlot whore. So she wants to gather all of her her harlot chicks that have gone astray under her wings. All of the Protestant who were protesting things that were going on in the Catholic Church. The whole Martin Luther, you know, Protestant Reformation thing. Well, she's gathering back her chicks under her wings. And there's a lot of people helping grease the skids for that. And this is just a commercial. And the Catholic Church is doing everything to encourage this as well. So it says, in generations past, the Church, now this is a Catholic commercial on TV, has always been able to count on the faithful to stand up and protect her sacred rights and duties. This generation of Catholics must do the same. Now, you'll always see this they'll interchange the church and then they use Catholics. Church, Catholics. So they'll use, they're interchangeable terms. So you keep getting this subliminal embed in your head. The church is Catholicism. The church is Catholicism. Couldn't be farther from the truth. So let's go further. (laughs) This November show some guy pounding on an anvil making something Catholics across the nation will be put to the test many issues in America require hard work like jobs taxes But how do we know if we are building in vain? Well, I know how you know if you're building in vain. If the house doesn't build the house, the the maker buildeth it in vain, as the Bible talks about. God never built the Catholic Church. He never built it. He never had nothing to do with any of it from its corrupt, pagan inception back in 318 AD through Constantine. And then they've got all these things on a plate that this that this guy forged, like energy, jobs, taxes, all these things that... And then they have the audacity to use that very verse I just quoted. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. You know, they indict their own self with their own Bible verses. Catholics across the nation will have an opportunity to share the future for our generation. And generations to come in the voting ballot box. Many issues are at stake. It shows these people in the voting box while they're still forging things. But some issues are not negotiable. Life. See what we're doing here? The protection of life from conception until natural death. Pope Benedict XVI. Marriage should be reinforced. Okay, so we all need to get on the bandwagon with the Catholics and yoke up with them. Because they stand for, you know, they stand against gay marriage and they stand pro-life. No, 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 no. I'm not going to be unequal. I can still take a stand on those. I can still absolutely 100% support the sanctity of life. Uh, be against gay marriage. Be against one one man, one woman in a real marriage, in a real biblical marriage. I can still be for that and not be yoked up with the Catholic Church. Okay? It's easy. It's not hard. Okay? And then it goes on to say marriage should be reinforced. Not redefined. See, the, the Catholic Church knows that that's going to be... Su- these are the two things, those two issues are the easiest things to have common grounds with all Christians, pretty much. Okay, So that's why they're targeting this. To get us all on the Catholic bandwagon. Together. Don't do it. Forcing the church to buy insurance that goes against her teachings it is a violation of religious freedom. Which is what Obama's been trying to do with, I think, the Obamacare. When the government tampers with a freedom so fundamental, one shudders to think of what lies ahead. That was from a car- Cardinal Dolan. Oh boy. I'm getting compelled. Your vote will affect the future. No, it won't. You know why? Because the voting system's all rigged. It's totally rigged. <laughs> Ron Paul should have won Iowa t- to start out with and should have won the preceding states, but it's all rigged. I went over this many, many times. Key in like blackboxvoting.org or key in the HBO documentary on um, the voting fraud. I mean, there's been all these things that have come out, totally proving, particularly now with the electronic voting, the Die Bold, how unbelievably easily, they are rigged, the, these programs are already hacked, The vote, your vote means nothing at that level. Okay, I'm not saying maybe local elections, hopefully, and they're not all totally rigged, but from a national standpoint, do you think the Illuminati wouldn't have all of this rigged? It's been proven over and over again. So no, your vote doesn't mean anything. I, I hate to say that. What you'd be much better off doing is getting on your knees, and, knees in prayer or fasting, as opposed to voting, because your vote doesn't count. Your vote will be recorded in eternity. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Will your vote, will you vote the values, meaning that will stand the test of fire? Well, they must have made a lot, spent a lot of money to make this commercial. They really try to tug at the old heartstrings on this one. And it has marriage, life, and freedom on top of an American flag. And the marriage, life, and freedom were forged out of this fire that this blacksmith just made. Share this video with a friend. Get on the ecumenical bandwagon. Catholics called to witness, inspiring Catholics to live by their faith. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the commercial that was sent to me. I, I just, you know, it's unbelievable to me. I see this over and over and over and over again. And all it wants to make me do is fight harder and harder and harder against it and expose it more and more and more. Because I will not yield to this. I will die before I yield to this Catholic garbage. I will not yield to it. And I just, the the thing that's so scary to me is that I see so many other people yielding to this and caving into this. And it's like, I'm like, am I in the twilight zone? Are you kidding me? I just, it, it's just mind blowing to me. I'm going to go ahead and end part one here. We're going to go to part two next. God bless you. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24 7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's dot H.com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd line 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, number 202. 3rd line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.